Okay, it's eight o'clock. The parish is the parish of Mishpatim. The parish of Mishpatim, the parish that comes after the parish of Yitro, which in fact is the parish of uh, of Matan Torah, something which we will be referring to. This parsha is dedicated in memory of David Wicks, Zichrona Libracha, by his loving family. David was, as you might know, a student of the yeshiva and uh, made an impact on all those who knew him. He was a special young man. <clears throat> you know that there is this problem there's this problem about the order of things in the Torah. Whether things in the Torah appear in order, chronologically, or they don't. In other words, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. For example, in the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, this I'm just relating to you what the Gemara says. At the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, the first Pasuk, in Bamidbar is Vaylaber Sheva Mosheva Midbar Sinai Baom Oed Bechad Bachodesh Hashemi. God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu at the beginning of the Chodesh Hashemi. Chodesh Hashemi, of course, is Iyar. Nisan is the first month, and then, then comes Iyar. Okay, that's quite all right. I mean, nothing uh, too exciting there. But in Perak Tet, to remember, that is exactly nine chapters further on in the book. So in uh, in Parakhtet, the first pasuk, the first pasuk in Parakhtet, just a second, I'll get it. By the way, Hashem Moshe Midbar Sinai, God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu in the desert of Sinai the second year. Now this introduces the parish of Pesach Sheini. You know, there was this problem of people who were Tmeim, who were ritually unclean, could not participate on Pesach and the Korban Pesach, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, look, it's not our fault. What do we do? How do we become part of it? And Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the parasha of Pesach Sheni, that you could do certain mitzvot of Pesach a month after, a month later, giving all these people a chance to purify themselves and make themselves Acceptable, but in that pasuk, Perak Tet pasuk, it says, "B'shana sheinit l'tzeit tam me'eretz mitzrayim b'chodesh harishon leimar." This took place in Nisan. So the first pasuk in Bamidbar, in Bamidbar, is b'chodesh sheini, right? B'chodesh sheini is Iyar, and then. Nine chapters later, the Torah says, Nisan. So we're kind of working chronologically, we're working backwards. So the Gemara brings this as the proof that sometimes, Ein Mukdam Torah, 
that the Torah is not always written chronologically. I mean, generally, it is. I mean, Abraham before Yitzchak, Yitzchak before Yaakov, Yaakov before Yosef, and all the other books of the Torah that are historical uh, meet the same criteria. Nevertheless, there is a machloket amongst the Rishonim, the commentators on the Torah. Does this principle, Ein Mukdam Umuchar Batorah, this principle, does it, is it like open-ended? If you see a problem of chronology in the Torah, can you always give it the name Ein Mukdam Umuchar Batorah, that is, that's how the Torah is. Or is it in fact the case that the only place that you can imagine that there's Ein Mukdam Muchabat Torah, that there's no chronology in the Torah, the only place is the story of Pesach Sheini that the Gemara itself quotes. The Gemara quotes. Okay. So now the book of Mishpatim, the, the first part of Mishpatim, the bigger part of Mishpat, the parasha of Mishpatim, is about is about Bain Adam Lechavero. What kind of mostly, mostly Bain Adam Lechavero? List of transgressions, list of transgressions that a person might do, and includes certain punishments. Uh, why is it there? Well. It had something to do with giving the Torah. The Torah was given. What, what, what does that mean? That the Torah was given to the Israel. So I, I don't think give something to somebody. That somebody has to be reasonable about accepting it. You know, you if you give somebody something that he can't use, like if you'd give me a book. Uh, physics written in Chinese as I don't read Chinese I wouldn't know what it says I wouldn't understand the thing so did I get anything you know he gives me a a book on physics in uh in Chinese but he gave it but I didn't get it I didn't have the capacity to get it so many uh uh, assessors of the story of of Matantara including the Maharal, the Ramban, the Rambam, in order to get the Torah, you have to be ready to get the Torah. Now, it doesn't, it's not reasonable to say that the Torah, which is a collection of do's and don'ts largely, which affect me right away as soon as I accept the Torah, that I couldn't really accept the Torah unless I knew something about it. And so there is this idea in the parshanut, in the in the exposition of the Torah, that the Torah was given to the people who knew what the Torah was. And I mean, they didn't know everything in the Torah, but they knew enough in the Torah to sort of understand what they were getting into. And so it makes sense that the people that the people said, "Now seven ishma, we will do." We will listen about the Torah that they that they received. The Moshe Rabbeinu said, "What do you say? 
Are you willing to take it, to get it, to become part of it? Na'asevinishma. Na'asevinishma meaning we know. We know what we're getting into. We know what we are accepting. It's not some kind of mysterious Torah that no one ever heard of, but it's something real. It affects relationships. It affects things that I do and that I prevent myself from doing. All of that is called all of that is called uh, a Torah. So in the book of, in the parasha of Yitro, last week's parasha, we heard about a Saratad Debrot, the Ten Commandments. Okay, there's a, a difference of opinion amongst Chazal uh, about how these Ten Commandments, how they were really transferred to B'nai Yisrael. But it seems to me, if you learn the Rambam and the Ramban on this on this question, that the Ten Commandments somehow represent the idea that God giving something to the people is not so far-fetched. It actually happened. It happened that people were standing there, hundreds of thousands of people were standing at Ar Sinai, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to them, here's the Torah. Take the Torah. And of course, it wasn't the whole Torah that they were offered, because I don't know why, but they were offered the idea that God would give something to the people of Israel, because that's the way things should be. And so the people didn't get the whole Torah, but they got Ten Commandments, some Beit Adam L'Chavirot, some Beit Adam L'Makom, some uh, have to do with human relationships, some of the relationship of man to God. And these uh, Ten Commandments were kind of a taste of the Torah. It's true that Rav Sadyagon, quoted by Rashi, by the way, says that the Ten Commandments represent ten categories, and that you could put all the mitzvot of the Torah, 613 mitzvot of the Torah, into the ten categories. So that in some way, according to Rav Sadyagon, and I guess according to Rashi, who quotes Rav Sadyagon, the Torah that was received in Yitro, in the parish of Yitro, the Ten Commandments, was obviously only ten commandments, or maybe nine, or maybe eleven, I mean, Ten Commandments, that's what we call them, Ten different halachic topics, but somehow hidden in those Ten Topics, according to Rav Sadyagon, were all of the mitzvot of the Torah, all of the mitzvot of the Torah, but that doesn't mean that the people knew at the time that that's what Rav Sadyagon meant, that at the time the people knew about these Ten, uh, ten Commandments. So, the beginning of the parasha of Mishpatim, Ve'ela Mishpatim, So there is a detailed list of mitzvot, which enables the people to say Nasev and Ishma. So you already have two kinds of, two uh, uh, different kinds of passing down the Torah. One, the Ten Commandments, 
And the second, the parasha of Mishpatim. Because the Ten Commandments were not enough. And, and you needed the parasha of Mishpatim. The people had to know more about the Torah in order to accept, in order to accept the Torah. Okay. So we've talked about Ein Mukdamu Mukhaba Torah. We've talked about the, the Torah being passed down. Now we all know that after the Torah was given and the people were built the, the golden calf and they, uh, uh, they were punished wandering around the desert for 38, 38 years. And during those 38 years, the Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to B'nai Yisrael and taught them not just the ideas of the Torah and not just the mitzvot of the Torah, but the exact the exact uh, uh, wording of the parshiot of the Torah. And that went on for 38 years. The 38 years and is recorded largely in the Torah by the God spoke to Moshe said that what's missing in the sentence it said teach B'nai Yisrael the following teach B'nai Yisrael the following so we know that there are at least at least there are more but there, we know about the Ten Commandments in the parish of Yitro the the more commandments in the parish of Mishpatim and Moshe Rabbeinu teaching the Torah during the 38 years in the desert, parasha after parasha. What about, what about Breshit? I mean, what about this, the book of Breshit? So the rabbi, so Rashi says, as you should know, you remember that the book of Breshit was something they had already. The Breshit was about traditions, stories about Abraham, about Yitzchak, about Yaakov, about Yosef. Those stories were known to B'nai Israel. So in Breshit, what had to be done is that it had to be written down formally in the proper language. So maybe that also happened during the 38 years. Rashi is not clear about that. But we know that the giving of the Torah. The giving of the Torah is a response in the stories to the different ways that the Torah had to be given at the different times that it was given. And even though it is correct to say the Torah was given at Har Sinai, but that means basically the idea of Torah, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants to give the Torah to the people of, of, of Israel. Okay, these introductions, you know, we talked a little bit about Eimukdam Muhammad Torah. We talked about when the Torah was given. Let's look at Perik Shmot Perik of Gimel. Let's start with Pasuk Yutet. Pasuk Yutet is really the end, the end of the mitzvot in the parasha of Mishvatim. Reshit Bikurei Admatcha. Reshit. Reshit means the the very first, the very first of the, the the first fruits that come out of your land, Tavi Beit Hashem Elokecha, Tavi Beit Hashem Elokecha, Lotav Hashel Gedei V'Chalevi Mo. Now everybody knows that Lotav Hashel Gedei V'Chalevi Mo is a a big story. It's a big story, firstly because uh, this phrase appears three times in the Torah. 
And also it's a big story because the way we live our lives, the idea that you have to watch milk and make sure that it doesn't get mixed in with meat, it all comes from this pasuk. So this pasuk has two elements to it. Reshit bikurei admatcha bikurim. Tavi beit Hashem elokehu, you have to bring the bikurim, the first fruit, you have to bring to the beit hamikdash. The second thing is look at this, no connection between these two mitzvot, but they're just two mitzvot written in the same pasuk. And then suddenly, that's pasuk yutet. And okay, there's a break at Samach. You see that Samach? Where's my... Uh... Hey, I, I, there's some, some way of jiggling it around here. You see the Samach? Anyway, I guess it didn't work. Yes, it didn't work. So the next pasuk, you see the next pasuk? Kaf. So Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Anochi is God, Anochi Hashem Elokecho, Sholeach, I'm going to send an angel to watch over you on the the way, as you go on your way, and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. Okay, what's this malach? What does this malach have to do with anything? I mean, the idea that God is helping us to get to Eretz Canaan, okay. But what's Ine Anochi Sholeach Malach Lefanecha? Who's this Malach that God is sending? And what is the purpose of the sending? Okay. So here, we'll look at Rashi. You see Rashi? Ine Anochi Sholeach Malach. There's an absolutely an amazing position in Rashi. Uh, Rashi says this Kandit Basru Shatidin Lachto. The hidden message in this Pasuk is that they're going to sin. Vishkina Omeret Lahem Kilo Aaleb Bekir Becha. Kilo Aaleb Bekir Is Shkina Hashem. Tells them now, Kilo That's what. That's what. That's what Rashi says. Now let's unpack Rashi, as they say today. Let's unpack it and see what Rashi is saying. Kan did basru shadidin lachto. Atidin lachto. What does that mean? They're going to do build a golden calf. And because they're going to build the golden calf, everything is going to change. What's everything? 
the relationship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to B'nai Yisrael. Uh, where is that in the words? Where are those words? So Rashi says what that means, that means is I am sending an angel to do what I said I would do. I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, said I would lead you, I would take you, I would bring you. It's changed. And we have to understand that in the kind of tradition of uh, of religious religious being, action, I I want to be with God. I don't want to be with God's angel. If I have no choice, I'll take the angel. But if I have a choice, so Rashi doesn't explain to us Rashi does explain to us why this pasuk is here. Instead, Rashi says, "Kanit Masrusha Didim Lachto." Here, the Bnei Yisrael were told to understand that they are going to sin, and because they are going to sin, they're going to be punished. And what is the punishment? Shchina Omeret Lehem. I will not go up in your midst, meaning together. There's going to be a, a, a measure of non-togetherness. Another way of saying that in more, more uh, modern kind of terms is that, that, that it, it'll be a kind of an exile. We've got an exile. That's what exile means. It means disruption of the relationship. Even though Chazal said that God is also in exile, but it doesn't mean that you're in the same place. In fact, it says, Kilo a'ale bikir b'cha, a'ale bikir b'cha. So Rashi kind of says, Ey mukdam it doesn't matter that the sin hasn't happened yet, that the sin of the Egel Azahab, which is not going to be uh, related to us with other three parashiyot, right? Trumat, Itzavet, Kitisa. Tan nitbasru she'atidin lachto u'shchina omeret lahem kilo a'aleh b'kirbucha. And if you We look at Shvot Perik Labit Gimel at Kisisa. The Posse that Rashi quotes. El Eretz Avat Chalavad Vash, the land of milk and honey. Kilo Aale Bekir Becha. I will not go up in your midst, which is the way it was supposed to be. Kiham Kshay Orefata. Because you are a difficult people, then achelcha, achelcha baderech, lest you kind of disappear on the way. The people heard this this punishment that they were going to receive, and they went into a state of of mourning. Nobody was eating or drinking. Hashem al El Moshe Mo Bene Yisrael Atem Am Kshay Oref. 
It's just take me a moment to get rid of you, Take off what are all the jewels that you might be wearing, the decorative items. They kind of the the were distinguishing themselves. This is what happened as a result of the Cheta Ega, even though God acquiesced to the blessing of Moshe, to the to the request of Moshe Rabbeinu that somehow the people should be forgiven, and God said, "I'll forgive them." God said He would re- re- somehow uh, uh, forgive them for the Cheta Ega, but didn't mean that the Chet Hegel would be forgotten. I mean, they said like a different, uh, these are two different things. The day Yisrael would be able to continue in their role in Jewish history as the receivers of the Torah, the disseminators of the Torah. That's B'nai Yisrael. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that forgiveness, it just, there's nothing, there's nothing left. That's not what it means. Kadesh Baruchah, What's his name? I'm sorry. Rashi quotes in the Pasuk at the end of Perik Lamed Bet, right? We're in Lamed Gimel, the end of Lamed Bet, that, uh, that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that any punishment that B'nai Yisrael will receive in the future for whatever they've done mistakenly or purposefully, which is not in accord with the Torah, whatever they have done, Part of the punishment will always be for the Chet Egel. The Chet Egel is always there in his own. That's what it meant. That's what God meant when he said, forgive it. He didn't mean wiped out. He didn't mean erased. He didn't mean we have nothing left to, to think about. No, nothing like that. Right? So here's Rashi. I'm sorry. Here is the, here is the Pasuk. And the Pasuk says, Lo Rashi says, Rashi says, you see the Rashi? One second. One second. I've got it here. Bekir Becha. You see Bekir Becha? Lechach ani omer lech vishalachti lepanecha malach. And this is the proper place. Lech vishalachti lepanecha malach. Go and I will send before you a an angel. I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will not go before you, but there's an angel, Kilo but an angel will, will lead you, will take you. So before we get to the, uh, to the answer, so to speak, I just want to make sure we know the psukim in the, in Yeshua that the Ramban quotes. You see in Yoshua Perik Hey Posugud Gimu Ahibi Yot Yoshua Biricho. Yoshua was uh, outside of Yericho. Yoshua, remember Yoshua is the inheritor of the mantle of Moshe Rabbeinu. Not equal to Moshe Rabbeinu, but he was he was uh, uh, his job was to conquer the land of Canaan and to give it out to the tribes to make settlement in Eretz Kina'an real. So here's uh, 
Yoshua, he picks up his eyes, which is a typical biblical way of saying he was looking. And he saw, he saw. Ish, the word Ish, we know the Rabbah says that the word Ish could also be an angel. And here it probably means an angel. It just looked like a person. He says there's an Ish standing before him. He's holding on to a sword. And Yeshua went towards this apparition. Are you with us or against us? It was Yoshua lived in a world where there could be angels showing up. Angels looking like men. Angels looking like men who would be on his side or against him. So it's perfectly reasonable for Yoshua to say, Are you with us or against us? I am an officer in the army of God. Bati, I just came. I just showed up. And Yoshua fell on his face on the ground. And he uh, uh, bowed down. Yoshua, very polite, he says, What, sir? Are you saying to your servant? Now we know that the officer of the army of God said to Yoshua, Take your shoes off. Off of your legs. Because the place that you are standing at, Kodeshu, that it's a holy place. It's not fitting that you should walk around with shoes at this place. But yes, Yoshua came. Now it's very difficult to avoid thinking immediately of Moshe Rabbeinu and the burning bush. However, if you check Moshe Rabbeinu, the Moshe, uh, burning bush, the, the, the first chapter, the third chapter of, of the book of Shemot, you will understand, you will understand that this kind of meeting indicates something about the prophetic potential, the prophetic potential of, of Moshe Rabbeinu and Yoshua Binun. The prophetic potential of Moshe Rabbeinu who saw a fire that did not burn itself out, that potential was unlimited, almost, almost unlimited. We can go into it a little bit more, but you have to understand that it was almost unlimited, whereas the prophetic potential of Yahshua Binun was more limited. And the unlimited nature of the of, uh, of Moshe Rabbeinu, represented by the fire, 
right? Even though there's an angel who speaks, but it's the fire that brought him close. Whereas by Yoshua bin Nun, it's not a fire. It's, it's, it's an angel. It's all there is is an angel. So that you could obviously say, you could obviously say that even though Yoshua bin Nun inherited the mantle of leadership and he was bringing B'nai Yisrael into Eretz Canaan and then ultimately dividing up the land and giving everybody a portion. Nevertheless, that certainly doesn't mean that Yoshua bin Nun operated on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, that his connection to Torah was the same as the connection of Moshe Rabbeinu, certainly not. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was unique, and he was unique at the outset. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we will communicate, we will be here together, we have all these, you know, these sukim in the, in the book of Shemot about communication, right? So let's get back to our Pasuk in our parsha. One Pasuk, right? We're, we're learning one Pasuk. Just one second. Yeah, Pasuk Kaf. And Rashi says, Rashi says, Kan nit basru shatidin lachto. Ushina omeret kilo alebikir becha. We saw that pasuk. He shmi bikirbo. He shmi bikirbo. Mechubar. Lerosha Mikras connected to the beginning of the Pasuk, Ishamer Mipanav, Kishumi Mishutaf Bikirbo. That's, uh, that's, all of that is Rashi, right? All of that is Rashi. Uh, again, I'm sorry, I'm reading it from the Ramban, but the Ramban is just quoting Rashi. Uh, Shmot. Second. In a in a non chronological way, the people are are learning that they're going to sin. Anochi shalech malach, ushchino merit lehem kilo alebikir becha. I will not go up with you. The Shechina said, that's a puzzle. The Shechina said, and this is the choice, the choice of Rashi. All of the, uh, all of the Meforshim, uh, all the Meforshim say, well, okay, but uh, isn't it true that God sort of rescinded, allowed the people, allowed the people to continue to exist and withdrew the general punishment says, yes, but it's not true. 
that they were not punished. As I pointed out earlier, it's not true that the people were not punished. It's not true that punishment doesn't go on forever, at least according to Rashi. That's the way Rashi understood it. Rashi understood it. So we have the Ramban. The Ramban is not with Rashi on this matter. According to Rashi, apparently, that there is no necessary chronological order written in the Torah, that that idea can be transmitted to other psukim and other ideas that are not mentioned, that are not mentioned by, by Chazal. The Ramban doesn't like that idea. And the Ramban thinks the Ramban thinks that you should be able to find a correct chronology, a correct chronology. So, let's start over again. The, the end of the previous pasuk, the end of the previous pasuk is, Lotem Ashel Gedi Bechalei Now, we, can, we haven't got time for that today, but you know very well that when you learn your idea and you have to learn about Basso this is kind of a little complicated. Okay, every word in this phrase, demands special concern and was taught by Moshe Rabbeinu to B'nai Yisrael as part of the instruction about, uh, about Torah. But this is a very special kind of Torah matter. What does Tavashal mean? What does Gedi mean? What does Chalevi Mo mean? Every word of that phrase has to be taught to B'nai Yisrael in order to achieve proper understanding. And the Machloket about what Gedi is and what Tavashal is and what Gedi they continued right through to the Mishnah and the, Gem- the Gemara, right? Or the Tanoim in the Mishnah, R- Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yosiaglili. I mean, you're talking about the greatest people of our, uh, in our past who were concerned about what those words mean. And so as a response, to the people who are trying to understand what Lotabashal Gedivu Chalei Mo means. Does it include a bird or doesn't it include a bird? Does it include a chayah? Does it include a chayah? All of these things were difficult. So the Pasuk said, Hinei Anochi Sholech Malach Lefanecha. Hinei Anochi Sholech Malach Lefanecha. The Rabban says, that's the psukim that we were learning in Yoshua. I mean, that's the Malach. I mean, what does that Malach come to do? He said to Yeshua, Moshe Rabbeinu is not with you. So I was sent to help. I'm going to help you. I am going to help you understand what Lo Sebastian Gedev Chalevi Mo'ed. If you ever forget it, you could turn to me. And I will help you out, the angel said to Yehoshua. So according to the Ramban, who quoted those psukim from Yehoshua, from the book of Yehoshua, according to the Ramban, 
There is no need to make up an interpretation that takes you out of the consensus of chronology. Because what all it means is that this Pasuk, Pasuk Yutet, that says, and was problematic. said, how am I going to remember? How am I going to know? How am I going to know what the Torah was? The Torah doesn't want. It's all very complicated. So the Torah says, Hashem promises that there will always be a malach who goes lifanecha who can do what Moshe Rabbeinu did. Just as Moshe Rabbeinu, we trusted Moshe Rabbeinu to, uh, we trusted Moshe Rabbeinu to tell us what the words mean and how they should be understood. We will continue to, to trust even Yoshua ben Nun, who is certainly not on that exact level, not like Moshe Rabbeinu, he didn't bring us to Torah, he didn't know what every word meant, but Yoshua ben Nun is offered the help, the assistance of the Malach. And you see from the discussion, we see from the Pasuk, just one second, we'll do it, we'll do it. Yoshua, I signed up by Ish, why did he come? Hinayatabati, in spite of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu said he didn't want me to come. But for you, I'm sure that you're going to need my help and you'll accept my help. But that's what this Vayomer, if you accept me, if you accept my help, then your uh, position is intact. You are... Uh, you are standing in hallowed ground. It's standing in hallowed ground. You have to uh, you have to act purposefully. So the machlok is Rashi and the Ramban. The machlok is Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi says that Malach refers to the Malach that's going to be sent after the Cheta Ego. And the Ramban says Malach, that's the Malach that was sent to give Yoshua a better chance of uh, explaining the words of the Torah to the people. Uh, okay. Have a good Shabbos. All the best to you. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Shalom.